Hey, today on Cameo Radio, we've got a special release from the past. It's an original interview between myself and Danny, where we go into why Cameo Radio, where did it come from, what happened. It's a long story, but it's a good story. I'm really happy to share this with you today. So without any further ado, let's jump into it. I need you to tell me the story of Cam Radio. Where did it come from? And what is it? Well, there I was in cells in 100 Mile House, realizing that my story would die with me somewhere in Remand in Prince George. The thing that's going to help me out of this is the media. And do you trust the media? I don't. So I figured I'd have to make my own. For the longest time, I'd been sending messages on Signal, voice clips and whatnot, telling my crazy stories and doing skits. What was some of your favorites? The story of making ice. Oh, right. Yeah, the story of the um, the portal in Lillooette. I have a ton of stories. You get lots of stories. Like crazy stories. Like stories you don't hear anywhere else. No, and there's a time you'd be like, oh, I just sent you a 27-minute story. <laughs> Warning! Oh. Well, somebody's going to mine those signal archives one day. Perhaps. Yeah, I've talked about that. I think that's going to be you. I think so. <laughs> I think you're going to mine I'm gonna the mine signal. I'm going to mine the signal. I've already started, actually. <laughs> mining the signal archives, so there's good stuff in there. So what is cam radio, and why cam radio, and how did it come out of the cells in 100 Mile House? And why was I in the cells in 100 Mile House? And why are you, Danny, interviewing me other than that you bailed me out of jail? Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you, Brad McKinnon. Yeah, really. thanks, Brad, for texting Danny. You actually would be in Remand right now. I would be. And people would be wondering where I went. Yep. Yep. And some people figured it out. They were like, huh, Cam hasn't been on Messenger for 36 hours. And uh, there was a guy that got arrested on Chuck Wagon Trail, 38 years old, known to police arrested without incident. I'm like, without incident? Well, let's get into that incident a little bit. Like, what were we doing? We were <clears throat> we were trying to work on the community garden. We were doing the garden parties. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to put together community projects. Yep. Starting started to build a foundation. Yep, started to build a real foundation, and uh, we were looking at getting a center, renting a building in town, and we had gotten a lot of momentum and a lot of like bodies involved, to the point where other people on committees were wondering how we had done it. We were doing things, right? And we were. We weren't afraid either. I think there was a lot of people who were gripped by fear during that time. Yeah. And. Afraid to get more than five people together in the community garden, for example. Literally more than five people because COVID rules. Mm -hmm. And we kind of just did whatever we wanted. And I think people really admired that. It was fun. It was fun. Basically, it was Mm -hmm. just fun. We We weren't being restricted from having a good time. But we were doing things that had meaning, like gardening. Gardening was important. And the seed bank. Right. And then, yeah, the free press came to interview us about the seed bank, and nobody really wanted to be on there, so I went in there. Why did I end up getting arrested? You know, that's a that's a very complicated journey in itself, but I think till it really pointed off, it's uh, the ministry made this report from their Kelowna office saying that I'd threatened people in the 100-mile office, and the RCMP responded and locked down the building. And they figured I was running around downtown with a shotgun and I was going to go blasting social workers. Turns out I was over at Lordco buying paint. So are you are you, are you saying the person you talked to was in Kelowna? Yeah. They weren't even in the local office. 
Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't even talk to the local office. I was over at Lord Co. I drove past the community garden. There was nobody doing anything, so I headed home. And on my way home, down Cannon Hendricks, uh, Brad McKinnon, the sergeant, phones me and says, Cam, I haven't seen you. I haven't talked to you in a week. Sorry about that. I've been really busy. Classic story. Can you come down to the detachment? There's something I'd like you to give me a hand with. I said, uh, sure. Give me about 45 minutes, and I'll be there. And he says, okay, great. See you then. Thanks. So I'm thinking what? It was about your boy? Who knows? Who knows? He had offered me a job oh, at the end right. of 2020 as a community intervention liaison officer at the Justice Department. A position that doesn't exist. Right. They just thought. So they were going to create a position for you in the community. Think of a better person. Right. Yeah. You're actually filling this spot. Probably all the better for Cam Radio. Mm-hmm. So anyway, some of these interactions with the RCMP had been very positive, And Brad did want my help with some stuff. And we had been talking about having a buffalo head flower garden in the community garden. That's right. And we wanted, I wanted to build a bridge between the public and the RCMP because we're all out here together. And the RCMP go in their first responders. They mm-hmm. see some horrible things. Mm-hmm. They deal with terrible, terrible stuff. And at the same time, they don't even trust each other. There's all kinds of political issues inside the departments. And it's a really broken, mm-hmm. top-down, right. authoritative, not-so-good-for-humanity kind of organization. So anyway, who knows what he wanted to talk to me about. I came home, pulled out some spray cans out of my truck and stuff, and then I headed down the driveway, turned left, didn't make it 100 meters down the road. There's six police cars or so, and two carbide rifles pointed at me, and a bunch of handguns. Hands! They're yelling, Hands! And I'm like, whoa, is this because of my windshield? And about half of them lowered their sidearms right away and just kind of leaned forward. And we're like, Cam? What? And so then the corporal and uh, one of the uh, constables there had their rifles pointed at me. And the constable kept putting his rifle down because he recognized me too. And he looked and followed his corporal's lead. So he put his gun back up. But I'm like, you know, you can't point. And this is just a really good point to make. You can't point a gun at somebody in Canada whether you're a police officer, the military, it doesn't matter who you are. You can't stand there with a loaded weapon trained on somebody just for their compliance. It's a felony offense. Right. It's a threat. Criminal code. It's a criminal code. I think it's 86. Right. It's a criminal offense. So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I see these guns pointed at me, and I'm like, they're going to shoot me. Like, you don't point a gun unless you're pulling the trigger. And they all had their guns pointed at me. Yeah, about half of them realized what was going on. They were pointing their guns at old Cammy boy. So that was something. So I got out of the truck and complied and walked towards him, laid down on the ground, and that corporal still had his uh, Corporal Ryder Burt Whistle. Oh, what a fella. One of their hounds, I suppose. He um, had that gun pointed at my head while I was laying on the ground. And I looked up at him and put my hands under my chin to kind of hold my head up. And I said, what's this about? He says, hands beside you. I put my hands beside me again, looked up at him, and said, what is this about? And he says, uttering threats. I said, isn't that what you're doing, Bert Whistle? Anyway, they put me in the truck, and they took me into cells, and they took my keys and my belt and my wallet and all my stuff. You can only hold you for 24 hours. But I was in there from the 4th of June to the 7th. So they, what is it, Section 5 remand? And while I was in cells, I wanted a lawyer. As is my right. Mm-hmm. And they kept giving me the same duty counsel lawyer, in Williams Lake, named Julie, who I still wonder if she's actually even a duty counsel lawyer. And she kept telling me, just go with the remand, go with the remand. And I'm like, Julie, you're a duty counsel lawyer. Duty counsel works for Crown. Mm-hmm. That's a conflict of interest. You don't represent my interest at all. No. No. Like, you're here to give me some advice 
on maybe a family matter or this or that. But at the same time, that advice is not very impartial, I don't think. Right. It seemed like it. And I know that I have the right to retain and strike out. So about Saturday, uh, you know, mid-morning, I decided to stop pushing for that. And I said, I need to talk to Brad as soon as he gets in. I said, he'll be here on Monday morning. So as soon as he's here on Monday morning, I need to talk to him. So I spent the next day and a half, almost two days, pretty much, pretty much a little under two days, just working out and doing yoga and stretching and meditating and walking very, very slowly around in that little tiny cell. And after a while, I decided, you know, I'm not eating hungry man meals. I haven't pooped since I've been here. Can I say poop on the radio? Poop. (laughs) So... Yes, Cam. Okay. You can say whatever you want because it's your radio station. It's not quite as foul as Howard Stern, but (laughs) we could get there at some point. So, but anyway, I was in there for the 24 hours. So what is it? Saturday afternoon. I'm wearing the clothes they arrested me in. They're dirty. I'm working on my truck, this sort of stuff. So I take all my clothes off and fold them up on the bench and put them there. And the guard comes and she says, hey, put your clothes back on. I said, they're filthy. And so she's like, oh, God, okay. So she comes back on it 40 minutes later. And she's like, you know, we don't usually do this, but give me your clothes. I'll wash them. Because they always have laundry going there. They're washing mm-hmm. blankets and whatever. So she washed them and brought them back. I was like, thanks very much. So I put them on the bench beside me and continued to walk around in my underwear. She comes back and says, hey, put your clothes on. I said, I can't. I'm filthy. So they were like, okay, we're going we're gonna to arrange a shower. So they had the uh, the constable, Stevens, the, the other constable there at my arrest, the rifle pointed at me. I mean, they're not bad guys. It's just, it's, that's the thing. It's a top-down organization. Mm-hmm. It's just not very good. So he was following orders, doing all that stuff. It's terrible. Should have known better. I wouldn't have done it. But then again, I'd probably get kicked off the force for not doing it, right? So it's got to be a real spot. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have one of these guys on the show. Yeah, I'd love it. Be amazing. So anyway, he comes and he escorts me over to the shower room, which they are using as storage, so he had to move some stuff. And I went in there and had a shower, and it was cold, so I banged on the wall and said, Hey, little hot water! And I could hear them shuffling in around behind the wall, the wet wall in there, and turning valves, and the water got a little warmer. So that was nice. So I had a nice little shower, and you had to press the button every five seconds, so it wasn't exactly a nice shower, and it was kind of like being pissed on by, I don't know, two cats. (laughs) It was kind of what it reminded me of. It was, you know, it was not a nice shower, but it was functional. And there was nowhere to put the towel, so I had to, like, wedge it into the door frame so it didn't sit on the floor and get wet. You know, they didn't really think about this. I mean, to be fair, you're in prison. Yeah, I suppose. It's not the Ritz. Could have done a better job. But then again, you know, maybe a coat hook could have been used to, like, impale myself or something. They were really worried about that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. No, you're not allowed to have a, a lid for your water bottle. I'm like, what if I knock it over while I'm sleeping? They're like, well, we're giving you another one. I was like, that just seems messy. But anyway, and then I stopped eating the Hungry Man meals. And I was like, hey, I haven't pooped since since I got here. You know, I went back to the cell. They brought me a toothbrush. Finally, they ended up, they were like, well, we do have other food here. We've got these rice bowls. Usually the ladies eat the rice bowls. And I was like, yeah, bring me the teriyaki and the Szechuan. Thank you very much. And they brought me apples and cheese sticks. And then McKinnon, yeah, he brought me some apples and stuff. Or one of the other mm-hmm. cobs did. That was pretty good. You know, in the group thing, like, where's Cam? And I had called, I called to PG, and it was, it was late. It was, like, in at night or something. Um, to the police asked, detachment? Or? Yeah, and it directed me to PG, and I, I had talked to a woman there. Oh, to the dispatch. Is dispatch, yeah, in PG. And then they forwarded me to um, Brad's, uh, Brad's line, and he, he was in the office. And so he told me what had happened to the 
he couldn't say anything that right. Mr. McSorley had been detained. And that was it. And I was like, but for what? I can't talk about it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. At that point. Yeah. So at that point, it was clear Brad was no longer your friend, which previously, or no longer an ally, but previously he was. So anyways. It seemed like it. That yeah. was clear. But uh, yeah, I I said, had said to Brad, like, he'll need a lawyer. I have a lawyer. Like, I know a lawyer, criminal lawyer, local. Was this local. before he texted you? Yes. What? Really? Yeah. So I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah. So anyways, I I did. I had texted him or I had talked to him prior and I said, he'll need a lawyer, right? I know a local lawyer. Oh, wow. So when he came to the door on Monday morning and I said, do you know Danny? Yeah. He said, yeah, you had already talked to him. I'd already talked to him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That, That's what happened. Wow. That's amazing. I, I had no idea. So we were like really in sync, mm-hmm. I guess. And like, yeah, in the group thing. And I was, I'm pretty active in communication. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not sending no. a message to no. somebody. No. Very, very rare. So, uh, so yeah, so I got out, you came and bailed me out and, uh, they asked me a lot of health questions. They interrogated me a little bit. Uh, they wanted to give, get me to give a statement. He unlawfully drove my truck back onto the property. And when I got out of cells, my Truck keys had been put in with my wallet and my shoes and my belt. And so I signed for my stuff and they gave me my money back that was in an envelope. And uh, they put it out of the wallet into an envelope and gave that back. And I said, uh, hey, my truck keys are in here. And I said, where's my van key? It's like a fob key. And they were like, mm, both of them just shrugged. I don't know. Oh, like, this is weird. So they took your van key? They took my van key. Interesting. Yes. Maybe you can tell us the story of a van another day. Yeah. Then anyway, yeah, they took that. They ended up giving it back when they started returning evidence, which they couldn't return because it was ordered to be confiscated by the court. You're talking about your computers, computers, phones, phones. tablets. Yeah, they went into my truck. They never had a search warrant for the truck. They never had an arrest warrant. Uh, the search warrant for the house was defective. They had already come into the into my house because they drove the truck back up on the property and just walked in here with the keys in their hands, took a look around. Went outside and had a search warrant produced at about 10.45 that night by a judge in Burnaby who failed to ask why they had documents from the chief judge's office to substantiate this search warrant. They wanted evidence of threatening communication by email to the judge's office, I suppose. But this has nothing to do with... what this- Uttering threats to a social worker? No, nothing to do with it at all. Right. Very, very peculiar situation, the whole thing. And the thing is, you can't just leak documents from the chief judge's office to an RCMP officer and then use that to substantiate a search warrant. That's a breach of information privacy. It it's absolutely goes to the heart of like the like sacred fundamental law in Canada, your privacy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very important. Somehow, they had gotten these. And use them to substantiate the warrant. That's so, what they used to substantiate the warrant. The judge didn't question as to how they got these documents. Right. It leads to a bigger story mm-hmm. throughout the judiciary and throughout the Justice Department. What's really going on in of there? Of course, yeah. Fascinating. But I kind of already know all of this. So, cam radio. So you're out now. I'm out now. Yeah. So I have to tell a story of what happened. And like, what happened after that? I came back and they took my work computer and stuff. Mm-hmm. About two months later that I finally got it back. The place was trashed. Trashed. Yeah. You came here with Christine. Well, I came to feed the goats. Yeah. Um, right. Because. That's what they said in the bail hearing. Yeah. And yeah. Well, yeah. And Brad had asked me, he said, 
Cam asked if somebody could go and, you know, just, like, feed the animals while he's gone. Because at that point, who knows when you're getting out or whatever. Yeah. Um, Well, if you hadn't gotten me George, I would have likely ended up, like you said earlier, in Prince George. If Brad hadn't gotten you George. No, you got me George. Well, but the only reason you got a lawyer... In there, you weren't even allowed, like, you, you kept getting duty counsel. Yeah. The only reason you were able to get anything is... Because you called George. No, I didn't even call George. I gave I gave George's oh, number to, to Brad. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, geez, I thought you called George. No, I didn't call George. Because George said that you had. Well, I think at some point I did call him. Probably talked to him at some yeah, point. Yeah, I said, hey, look, yeah. this is what's going on. But, you know, Brad, he was really on it. He was like, whoa, you have a right... To like as much as he's kind of stuck in that system, yeah. He's like, you have a right to law, yeah. like legal protection, of course, yeah. So it took, I mean, it took whatever three and a half days, which is and a lot of push. If you didn't have somebody on the outside advocating for you, exactly, right, and a local lawyer who's like, right. oh, I, I've seen this, I know what's happening here, yes. right, and then somebody on the inside who's like, wait a minute, you wouldn't have gotten a lawyer and you would have been. Section 5 remand in PG. Yeah. Guaranteed. Absolutely. I could hear them walking up and down with shackles jangling, yeah. saying, are we transporting today? It wasn't the sort of thing that I wanted to hear. No. No, it was terrifying. It was no. terrifying. <clears throat> I was going to be thrown in a paddy wagon and taken off to an incarceration facility, yeah. to a warehouse. So, anyways, I came to feed the goats, and I was at, I couldn't believe the scene that was here. Like, every, it was destroyed. The place was destroyed. It, it was... I'm like, okay, this is how we execute searches in Canada. Like, I you didn't get any pictures, did you? I didn't. Uh, I should have. Yeah. It was just. It well, was I had horrid. puncture wounds on the back of my neck or something. We didn't get pictures of that either. No, it was horrid. The place was trashed. That your sea can with all your tools and everything. It was completely upside down. And they had let the door. Well, open. and they left the door open, and the goats got in there, and it was just so. It was just horrid. Like it was they, actually really sad when I came in here. Yeah. Um, and, so, anyways, and you ladies did a bunch of laundry. Yeah. Well, there. anyways, we yeah I invited some help over, and we did try to fix it up because, like, I just was thinking, can you imagine going to jail and then coming home? It was pretty nice when I got in here. To like your places trashed, but anyways, that's yeah. a whole oh, other story. It's a whole so, other story. But you you're out, and then yeah, you had, you, had, you your stuff was gone. Like everything was everything was gone. Yeah. Like it was clear. It was like okay, well, like, oh. it's obviously what they've taken is anything electronic. There's not an electronic left in this house, save for the TV and the VR. <laughs> yeah, they didn't take the VR helmet. Um, but there was other events that had transpired as well just before this that go back into the Ministry of Children and Family Development. Right. And then there's things that came afterwards too, like when they finally returned uh, the first wave of evidence about three weeks later. Which my van key was in there. So van key, what phone? No. No, they returned computers that were so old they had dust on them. Ah, uh, gotcha. But they wanted everything. Like they wanted, they weren't just looking for evidence of threatening communication that comes from a Ymail account. Like just get a warrant to go in to get my Ymail stuff. Right. You know, like subpoena it. What's on the computer? Nothing. Why do they need tablets and computers and everything? They even took hard drives. What am I going to back up my evidence of threatening communication? <laughs> Like, it just makes no sense. We're going to make backups of where I threaten some judges. Which I didn't, but I was pointing at corruption in the judiciary. Right. And I was pointing at a very corrupt judge. Do you have the letter? Yep. You should read it. Yeah, I had been making some waves. Yeah. And at the end of the day, at the end of all of it, after getting my computers back and all the rest, and it's been about six months now, a little more than six How's months. How's your business doing? Gone. Gone. I made phenomenal money last year. Gone. All gone. Yeah. 
Absolutely. In how, poverty. how easy is it to run a uh, virtual business? Oh, try having, <laughs> try having your, you know, well, what I have, I have 30 gigabytes of data on my LTE network so that I could transmit files and profiles and images to clients because they need them right now. I don't know. Try waiting an afternoon just so I can get home and send it. No, not good enough. Try losing your internet for two days, watching how bad that can be. Try losing everything for two months. Yeah. I know. People almost sued me. And what do I tell them? I'm sort of having technical problems. Not, I got arrested and I was in remand and they took all my computers and they, they, like, they think I threatened people and. Yeah, like I'm not even really sure why. I'm still not really sure why. They said it was threatening that I had uttered threats. To the judge. To a social worker. To a social worker. Which I hadn't even spoken to. Which was the, that was the media release. Yeah. 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 So I had spoken with the client relations department in Kelowna or wherever they are. And they had made the assertion that I was making threats. I never made a direct threat. They came to a conclusion that I had made a threat. So they phoned the local office and said, this person, Cameron, is threatening your local office. He's going to come in there with a rifle. So then the local office said, we have just been advised of this. Mm -hmm. So the RCMP acted. And they went and locked down the building. Funny thing is, the community garden is kitty corner to that building. And Lord goes literally right across the street. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not running around with a gun. They literally had to phone me to draw me out of my residence. Yeah. So they could arrest me at a high-risk takedown. And the thing is, I'm like, I'm on the way to see your sergeant. Anyway, it's terrible. So, yeah, the business is trashed. You so can't go. You have orders. I'm on bail conditions. Yeah. So I can't go. What is it? Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays between noon and four is where I can enter 100-mile house. Otherwise, I can't be within 10 kilometers of the town, which prohibits me from using the turnoff on the 97 highway to go north to Williams Lake, which is our next major city center to do shopping or anything. And I can't go through town to go south to go see my son or anything like that. No. Right? So I'm actually stuck here. Plus, I have a curfew. I have to be home by 11. I can't leave the house before 6 a.m., I'm not allowed to have knives or guns or anything like that or apply for firearms. I'm not allowed to change my telephone number. I'm not allowed to move. And, uh, oh, God, I don't know what else. It's just stupid. So unless you can find a job between the hours of noon and and four. Yeah. Or a steady job that my bail supervisor Mm -hmm. will give me a condition, like a work release. But the trouble is when you go to an employer and you say, hey, I'd really like to work here. And they're like, we'd love to hire you. It's hard to find workers. And you okay, I need a really fixed schedule so that I can give it to my bail supervisor. That phone goes click pretty click. fast. Pretty darn fast. The same sort of thing when they, you know, after now I'm in this position too and I have two children that I'm paying family maintenance enforcement on. And so after a while, I'll go to that same employer and, or a different employer and be like, hey, I need a really thick schedule so I can give it to my bail supervisor and I now have an FMEP attachment. They're going to garnish all my wage. So I'm not even going to get paid for coming here. So I might not even show up. Well, and then I kind of have to, mm-hmm. to, otherwise I'm not working. Yeah. But the thing is, try getting a job. Yeah, they just no. won't even hire you. No. No. They're like, oh, that sounds like a pain in the ass. Bye. Mm-hmm. Sorry for your luck. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of people come and say that. Sorry for your life problems. So one of the things that I can do, because I can't sit here and do architectural and mechanical drafting and design anymore, but what I can do is tell my story mm-hmm. and tell other people's stories and talk about what's happening in the community in a way that's non-biased to the actual event. It's not shaded. It's not funded. It's not lobbied to go in any specific direction mm-hmm. because it's cam radio. 
And Cam Radio wants to tell the truth. So the arrest led to all of this stuff, and now there's this gigantic lawsuit that goes all the way to the heart of the integrity of the judiciary and the Justice Department of Canada. And that is not something that they want to take lightly. And they want me to go away, and they want me to be quiet. And so the best thing for me to do is not that. Yep. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> ODD. ODD. Oppositional defiance disorder. Absolutely. Optional. Optional. It's optional. It's optional. I can I can I can play along. I'm very good at playing along. Yeah. But I'm also very good at questioning everything. Yeah. So I think that's really the basis of like where Cam Radio came from. It came from me being in cells and realizing that if I don't tell my story, it'll die with me. And if it does die with me, then it's in the ears and, you know, cell phone records of a few other people. And, um, you know, it really does need to get out there. And, and so it's turned into something that's more than cam radio. So cam radio is on the new renaissance.ca. Right. Because it's the Martin Luther 99 thesis 2.0. Right. We're having the new renaissance. Yeah, this is this is ha- this is happening. This is happening. My story is just part of it. Yeah, there's so many stories, right? So many stories. Yeah, and I so, can think of a you know like on my hand like you know half a dozen stories oh, in the area that huge. like point right to you know like it's broken. Oh yeah, there's Things other are people. Broken. Yeah, stories that are exactly like my story. But worse. Yeah, oh, for sure. So many people have died. I was fortunate. My Mm -hmm. lawyer kept telling me, too. He's like, you are lucky to be alive. You are an exception to the rule. They murder people by doing this. Right. You're lucky that you complied. Right. That I knew what to do and Mm -hmm. how to keep my cool. Right? Plus, I knew most of them. Small town. Small town. And most of them like me. I... So it's, you know, bigger than just cam radio. Cam radio is on the new renaissance.ca because I'm going to talk about what we're featuring on the new renaissance. And the new renaissance is simply a media outlet for the production within the real life network. Parallel systems. Absolutely parallel systems. Yeah. And so one of the things that we're seeing is the advancement of technology and digital media and virtual realms. And what this does is it really brings back the human touch. And radio is beautiful. I grew up with radio. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm 38 years old. I'm 1983. Yeah. I was fortunate to grow up in Victoria where we had drive-in diners. A&W diners. And we had a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Beacon drive-in. It was great. Like, that was fun. We'd listen to Radio Mystery Theater and The Phantom. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. So... You know, if we can tell some great stories, because people have great stories. People have amazing, especially around here. It's incredible. Yeah. The history of the caribou. And I've lived all over British Columbia. Absolutely. Born and raised in BC. And there is just no place in the world like it. No. And it's so diverse. Yeah. The ecosystem and the um, ethnosphere of the area. Mm-hmm. It has it all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if we can get some of these stories put together... The real life network, though. Hold on. Right. So the new Renaissance. Yes. Features. It's a mechanism to basically feature what's happening. Yes. It is a media outlet and it is an orientation to Something this whole network. Different. Yes. Yeah. To people who are doing it differently. Yeah. Because what's the best way to get an orientation but to hear a story? Mm-hmm. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So if we can tell people stories and engage them in their stories in a meaningful way and talk about real issues, like what led to Cam Radio? Like, that's a real story. That impacted my life in a massive, massive way. That impacted the lives of a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And it brought me together with other people who have been impacted by the same officers, by the same judge in Burnaby, by the same defective search warrants, people who have been arrested and held at gunpoint without arrest warrants. Mm-hmm. What is going on? This right. is a major, major issue. Why is CBC not covering it? We are. And and by we, I don't mean me. I mean us. I mean mm-hmm. the people here yeah. who are living in. You know, we might get Rebel News. Oh, yeah. Not to say that others won't. Right. Yeah. Um, like, why is this not? Why is this buried? Mm-hmm. Why is this buried? It's the not way, a conspiracy theory. But it wasn't hard for them to publish the initial. Like, oh, it was heard across Canada. Yeah. People in Saskatchewan your, your, hearing your, about it. Your arrest was, like, national news. Yeah. Weird. Right? The yeah. arrest, which which was uh, alleged threats to this ministry, mm-hmm. which I'm just learning now was actually in Kelowna. Fascinating. Yeah, um, you didn't even know that. I didn't know that. So, yeah, like, that was national news, but then where's the... Yeah, where's the truth of all of this? Yep. And how deep does it really go when we look at other people in the area who have had the same things with the same RCMP officers, the same judge in Burnaby? Now, if these special investigation units that are issuing these things out of Williams Lake, why aren't they using a judge in Williams Lake? Why are they coming and arresting me at like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and then waiting until 10.45 at night, having a telephone conference, when they supposedly already have the documentation they need to act on this, but it's not even, what is that documentation? Why are they using that to substantiate a search warrant when they've said that I've uttered threats? Now, how do you prove intent when I'm driving along with just me in the truck? I didn't have guns. I didn't have weapons. I didn't try to run. I didn't fight. I didn't, there was nobody with me. There was no imminent threat of harm to myself or anyone else or to the officers. Why did they have their guns out? Because they thought I had a firearm. So what story did the ministry really tell? So this goes into a civil suit now that goes even deeper. Mm-hmm. So this story hasn't even really Well, that part hasn't begun, really. It hasn't even begun yet. No, that hasn't even unfolded. So, I, I, anyway, <laughs> Cam Radio spawned out of the necessity to tell the story. Stories. Stories. Yeah. This is just one story that led to the Cam Radio. Yeah. And it's on the New Renaissance.ca. It's part of the New Renaissance. Yeah. It's part of the New Renaissance. Mm-hmm. It's a voice for it in order to consistently feature everything that's going on within the Real Life Network. Right. Which is? The Real Life Network is everybody in the Strand, right? All the stranded people of society who have to have their stories out, who are disenfranchised, who are subjugated based on whatever. Yeah. Right? But most of them are actually really incredible people. But the media plays them down as, you know, let's say the RCMP did shoot me. Oh, well, you know, we're lucky that the officers exhibited such restraint and it's a terrible loss of life. But, you know, the man was terribly unbalanced. And, uh, you know, thank, thank, thanks to, to our local RCMP for, for keeping the community safe. Mm-hmm. You know, we did what we had to do. And what would they have done? They would have, uh, you know, come and found a firearm and put it in my truck on my lap with my head blown open on the side of the road. Right. Like they yeah, make up knows? a story, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything could happen at that point, right? That's hypothetical. Anything, but... anything could happen. Like as a first responder, anything can happen. Yeah, because you're in a scene. Like, and so things, am I. And if things get out of control, the first thing you're like thinking is like anything can go wrong here. And so, like, 
exercising restraint is one thing, but I, I'm, I can't even imagine if there was some sort of like an active loss of life in a scene, like what kind of psychological, I don't know, well, if they... things could come, could come from that. So right. I'm like, maybe that would happen. Maybe it wouldn't, but it's, yeah. It's hard to Certainly say. within the realm of imagination. Yes, there was definitely some speculation from my legal right. department on that mm-hmm. being a very high degree of probability as it has happened before. Right. And these are stories that will never get told. Yes, some of these stories will never be told. But some of perhaps these stories... Perhaps by the lawyers, perhaps by the people who have heard yes. of it. Yeah. yeah, if they're able to. That's, um, yeah. You know, if they're actually going to take on the responsibility or wait for the time frame to lapse where they can legally talk about it right. as well. Because yeah. sometimes it takes 10 years for the truth to come out. I, on the other hand, can say whatever I want. Yes. And I am. And yes. I will. And, and, you that's, do. and I do. I exercise my right to the freedom of speech. And I'll continue to do so. Mm-hmm. And as long as I'm out there doing that, the chances of them making me disappear again are a lot lower. Because what happened when nobody heard from me? Mm-hmm. I started to wonder. Mm-hmm. So if we get this thing rolling, mm-hmm. probably not going to do that again. Yeah. But uh, so the Real Life Network is a place where people can exhibit their isness. And so isness is a fun word. Yeah. And it's what they actually do. It's their particular isness of their business. What is it that you do? And so some people will go off and work nine to five doing a job because they have bills to pay. But it turns out they're actually a fabulous musician or or very, very good artist or or they've got a great singing voice. Or it turns out they're actually brilliant engineer, but they can't get a job in it. Mm -hmm. Turns out they are absolutely a botanist but they're working at 7-Eleven or something like that. So it gives them a place to feature and exhibit their passion. And that's a really important thing. And a lot of people have that. They don't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. So until they see other people doing it, just like with our garden parties, until they see that enthusiasm and that energy and that movement. And that whole thing came from one person who I met and who just had this passion for gardening. Lisa? Lisa yeah. had just had this uh, like passion for gardening and yeah, it's not her job, but that's what, that's her isness. That's and her so isness. that's where it all came from. It didn't come right. from me. It didn't come from you. It didn't no. come from anybody. It came from Lisa. Right. So let's say Lisa has a passion for gardening. So what do we do in the real life network? We create a web page for her mm-hmm. as part of the real life network. She gets an isness card, which is a little tap card with mm-hmm. her business card on it, contact details and the link to the website. And then this whole thing is designed to kind of communicate amongst people um, as an algorithm would in Facebook that suggests friends and does targeted advertising. Mm-hmm. But it says, you're trying to grow a garden and you're having a hard time with that. And you're talking about it on your little blog or on your web page or mm-hmm. whatever. You're talking about it on Facebook. Talk to Lisa. And so what happens then is now Lisa's blown up because what do you do? What do I do if I have a drafting business mm-hmm. and I need clients? I need to find people who are saying, I need help designing my house. And what are the chances that they might live just a few kilometers away and they don't even know that I exist? And they don't even know that they exist. So we're marketing people to people. They're not marketing, hawking each other's crap to one another. Yeah, yeah. Like in in Facebook, you got to pay, right? You pay into the system to try and like put your 
to spam it out to everybody. Everybody. In whatever in their, that- their targeted, their best targeted thing. But you're like, it doesn't work. No. You end up with trolls and bots and like, it's a whole mess. Oh, it's a mess. But that's a network. Mm-hmm. But we're not working on, on the premise of a network. No. It's a strand. And that strand connects each and every single resource center and hub and business point of reference together. Mm-hmm. And so as that evolves and changes and there's trends in it, uh, I intend to talk about it on cam radio and talk to the people and give everybody their limelight to be a part of a forum of discussion mm-hmm. where they can get into the deeper relevance of it. And and the other part of it too is what is the real life network? Is that just a really fun name? That's actually based on a foundation. And the foundation is something that uh, goes back to the garden party as well. Mm-hmm. We were building a foundation. Yeah. That was the intention. That's the intention. And so currently we are preparing to launch a proper foundation. They will continue in perpetuity these good works. Mm-hmm. And so I have a good voice and I can tell a story and I have lots of interesting stories and I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun, but I also love, I love stories and other people's stories. So I would want to listen to them and I want to ask them about their stories. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have all kinds of personal journeys and works and sagas and epics that are featured throughout this and there's going to be a format but i suppose this is all just the the open yes yeah, this is where it came from it's the orientation it's the, the orientation you know <laughs> <laughs> and like what do we need an orientation to the strand for but we need an orientation so that people understand when they come into the strand you know the strand work it's not a network it's a strand it's the strand that connects us all mm-hmm. And everybody's skill is valued and everybody's skill is recognized and their passions are nurtured. Yeah. And our skills manifest through our art. Yes. And our craft. Yes. And our creations. Absolutely. And that's lost. It's getting lost. It's getting lost. I, you know what I found something, cause um, I obviously grew up here. I found a, a playbook from Bye Bye Birdie 2000. I think it was like 1999 or something. And in the playbook for Bye Bye Birdie, which was a high school musical production, there was like 30 plus pages and it was just featuring people's businesses. And I couldn't believe how many small businesses were in the Caribou at the time. And I thought if we were to produce a playbook of that now, it wouldn't be that. You couldn't do that. And like, also, we don't have these like blockbuster musicals, high school musicals here right. anymore. Where'd the theater go? We had an amazing production pre-COVID, and maybe we can get back to that. But oh god, this is this is stuff is being lost. Um. So yeah, it's it's building up our social capital. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the store of actual human potential. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> High five. <laughs> so how do we wrap it? We went over cam radio. Yeah. We went over the real life network. We talked about the new Renaissance mm-hmm. and what that is. Um, you know, and the and like we could go into the Martin Luther 99 thesis that absolutely changed the world forever. And I'm not talking about Martin Luther King. <laughs> not Martin Luther King. No, no. Martin Luther. <laughs> Martin Luther. So like, if you want to do some research on Martin Luther, uh, it's worth it. And the Renaissance. It. And the actual Renaissance. Because what did we have? We had an industrial revolution. We had an agricultural revolution. We had a scientific, scientific revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it keeps changing. And now we're having a cultural 
revolution again. Yes. And it ended at Tesla. Right. Everything ended. It all ended at Tesla. And, and since then, we've been in this stasis of like, we're not like we're our technology is going exponentially, exponentially. but the the piece of it behind it, the human component behind it is like, where is it? We're, we're, <laughs> we're trapped in a lot of ways by, by fear and we're exploited as workers so that we don't realize our potential. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think part of that is making it fun as well. Yep. You know, we come down to the isness center and fill out an IS form and we'll do a 2B application. If you, what, what you should work towards to be what you are. <laughs> But uh, as much as that's fun, it's actually backed by a very, very, very solid new and complete system of law. And that is the cornerstone for this cultural shift. And historically, anytime governments move towards fascist systems or, or oppressive systems of any nature... Uh, parallel systems naturally form. People mm-hmm. naturally form them. I and mean, they're built around art and they're built around culture. And community. And community. Yeah. 100%. And so to give that a foundational cornerstone of perpetuance and autonomy and legality so that it's not just people spray painting in the street, mm-hmm. they're not vandals. It's no. not to be lost. Yes. It's art and it's culture and it's beauty and inevitably, it will turn into an art gallery. Of course. That would be beautiful. <laughs> but that's just part of it, too. Then the art gallery is a building that people can go to. Currently, it's just going to exist in the cyberspace. In ether, of the yeah. Yeah, in ether. Which is fine. Yeah. To have a web presence is great. Yeah. So, welcome to the new renaissance.ca here on Cam Radio. I'm here with Danny. We've just gone through our entire network concept and construct, and we look forward to seeing you in part of the real life network because it's not meant to facilitate something outside of yourself. It's meant to facilitate something for everybody Mm -hmm. and to bring out what is within you. So welcome. And I hope the orientation made sense. And (laughs) I'm sure the What do you always say? When the dreamer awakens. Ah, yes. When the dreamer awakens, it is the world they know in their heart. Amen. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) There you have it. An original interview with Danny and Cam. Where did it come from? Where did it lead to? What happened? There's the rest of the story. There's been a few alterations, obviously, since then. Like, it's not the new renaissance.ca because we've created an entire network for everybody. And originally, yeah, it was just to get the story out so it doesn't die with me. There you have most of it. But believe me, there's more to that story. And I'd like you to stay with us as it develops. Because really, it's a it's a life path, not just a career path. Oh boy. And do I ever look forward to having some more fascinating interviews. Thanks again for tuning in to the early days. This is Cam. <laughs>